Today I want to speak to you about retaining strength. I believe I was led. Um, I believe I was led to this topic, and I think it's important that we prepare ourselves properly again. Like we always do, there's things to do. I get it. There's there's business that needs to be done. There's places we need to go. There's things that we can occupy ourselves with but I'd want to remind you of the beloved Mary that God measures men against men as simple as that so Mary's life will be measured against her sister Martha Martha the mistress of the house the one of position the one of duty yet lacking what's most important and it's at this moment that we get into the place of worship and word and prayer that we choose to we choose what is better what Mary chose to sit at his feet and to hear his word Peter got to a place where he looked at Christ and even when the majority of people left Christ they abandoned him they they turned their backs to him Christ looked at his disciples to know if they are really one with him and he said will you too go and Peter um, responded to Christ saying that where can we go you know what was most interesting about that statement was that he actually had places to go was he not living somewhere did he not have a life before he met the master did he not have a life before he met Christ he did but he realized over the years or over the time following Christ, he realized that there was no better home than to abide in Christ. He says, where can we go? For out of your mouth comes the words of life. And it's at that point that a person begins to benefit from what comes from God the moment they realize that their life will not be the skill of their hands but rather what comes from the mouth of the Lord so scripture then says to us that I took you I disciplined you and I allowed you to hunger in order to feed you manna are you with me this morning I made you hunger in the wilderness so that you, I may feed you manna. And a certain translation would then go to say a, a substance which your fathers would know nothing of or knew nothing of. So that you may learn and experience for yourselves that man should not live by bread alone but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So there will be a kind of people like Martha, duty-ridden. What do I mean by that? They are set in duty. There will be a set of people who just thinks of positions, but then there will be the beloved, whose heart is set on God, whose love life is their greatest um, duty to keep. And I want to speak to you, therefore, on retaining strength, because it's one thing to have strength, it's another to retain it. It's one thing to look powerful for a time. But have you not heard the stories? And in, in, before you even start to look at stories outside of yourselves, I want you to look within yourself. Has there not been a time when you felt you were so on fire? 
Was there not a time that you felt so powerful? But has there not been a time when it seems like you are at your weakest? There's a time that you feel like it's time to deliver and you cannot deliver in the way that you know in your heart that you can deliver. Now God has a word for us so that we will not be someone leaking in strength any longer. But we will grow from strength to strength because God's glory shines brighter and brighter each day. Are you sure you're here with me? The glory of God that God sets upon the COD family is to shine brighter and brighter each day. And what God is going to give us is scripture references today where we will begin to see how this has happened to man before. But the beauty of scripture or the beauty of the word that we have today is that we can see the failure of man but also the rise. We can see how they picked themselves up. So in case anyone is, is they have a heart like mine this morning that is ready to hear God's word. I want you to know that God has, is speaking this word to you so that you will remain strong. That you will be made strong and remain. So let's go first to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want you to read from verse 1. Before we go there, I want you to remember the scriptures. The scripture, remember that Pastor Toby told us, instructed us rather saying that what you are meant to do is not teach people how to do business in the houses it's not to teach how to do this no the first lesson that must be taught is how to make the covenant work because if God is going to bless any of us it's going to be according to the covenant he has made so it's therefore that God then goes on to say that separate unto me, gather unto me the assembly of saints. Those that have made sacrifice, those that have made covenant with me, God says, I want to speak to them. So God says to us today that we should keep, he says, if we can fully obey, do you remember the scripture, right? If we can fully obey and keep and I think that's where my emphasis is going to be today. I'm not going to take you on a long journey of what the answer is. No, the key to retaining your strength is keeping the covenant. What I feel like my duty is today to do today is to show you scripture so that your faith may be built up. Because faith comes, the ability to do comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the constant speaking of God's word that produces the faith that enables us to do so he says to us keep if you can fully obey me and keep my covenant you will be to me a kingdom of priests you'll be a prized possession although the whole earth is mine you see that scripture it's so powerful when God begins to say that the value I set you at will be higher than those around you you will not be valued like your community even as much as Lot ran away from his father, it was still the fact that God recognized that Lot was attached to covenant Abraham, that God valued Lot's life more greater than everyone else in Sodom and Gomorrah. So I don't know about you, if you can today understand as I speak the word to you, or as the Holy Spirit speak to us, as if you can just remember that covenant, if you can be daring to keep that covenant because everything in this life is going to try and make you trade it do you remember when i spoke to you about the house of exchange 
they're going to do everything to make you trade that covenant. In fact, what I want to show you in scripture shortly is that you would see that at some point in your life, the covenant will almost look useless. In comparison, in, in comparison to, the, to the words that you'll be hearing from the world, the pressures of this world, there'll be a time that the covenant will almost look like nothing. But God says to you and I, if we can be daring to keep, if we can be faithful enough to keep what God has placed as a demand, the agreement that we have with God, if we can keep that in the midst of all things, God says that your strength will never be depleted. You will never be depleted of your strength. You will never be lacking. You will not find leakage in your life. Imagine that scripture told us that there are people that, yes, indeed, will gather but have holes in their pocket, pockets, leakage. Now, this is what God has put in my heart saying that I need to now speak to you as he spoke to me. So that you may know today that, look, there's a stronger version of yourself. But so that I don't go ahead of myself, let's look at this step by step. So we've got a journey this morning. And I hope you've got strength. I hope you've got time with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's start from verse 1. Let's look at how this chapter starts off. Go on. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. You're going to speak slower than that, yeah? Yes, sir. Because there's emphasis here. Read it from verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. That's the scripture, first of all. If you look in the NIV, the subtitle of this scripture is, Do not forget the Lord. Do not forget Him. And he starts off with saying, This is Moses now speaking the commandments of God, that which he received while he was on the mountaintop with God. That during the period when he was face to face with God, God gave him instructions, commands that he should speak to the Israelites. Why? Because the words that God gives you is what increases your value. So God wants to separate the Israelites among all nations. They may be small. They may not have a land that they have owned yet. They may not be a people that has ever built anything for their own self. You, you see, what is so amazing is that most nations were able to build cities. You saw quickly how Cain went out of God's presence and built a city. But not so for God's people. One of the first things that they will have to build will be the temple. Are you going to follow me today? The first thing that God, you see what I've just said to you? Let me help you. It's what I'm going to come back to at the end of this word. If they're going to start any journey, if they're going to be defined as a people, the first thing that they will have to build is a temple. Imagine we are grown or we are groomed in this life, in this modern time of history or yeah, of the earth. We're in a modern time that tells you to build your life before building his house. But the proper way for God's nation and for God's people is to build his temple. But he says first, be careful. In other words, be diligent. You cannot follow God's commands haphazardly. You cannot do it anyway. You cannot be a negligent person in your walk with God. He says you have to be careful. You have to be diligent. So I try to quieten down in the mornings or wherever my, um, what's the word now? Call of the daytime is. 
And it's at that point that I'm careful. I'm quiet to make sure I understand what God is saying to me. God says, if you are going to prosper, the first instruction is be careful. Now you have to look at your life today. Again, this is not a condemnation word and there's never been a condemnation word. But what you need to pay close attention to is that we usually don't pay close attention to the words we're hearing. But the instruction is that if you're going to be able to follow, it says be careful. Some translations will say observe. Some translations will say be diligent to know. But let's look at how he says it here. So he says, be careful to follow every, not some, every command I am giving you today. So that what? So that you may live and increase. And if may you enter. can follow his command diligently, it will be the source to your increase in life. If you will live, you know, some people just exist, but they don't live. If you are going to live, it's going to be a good. So if I see a man prospering in this life real prosperity I'm talking you will know that there's a diligence in following the law there's a diligence in following God's word have you seen the Jewish community do we not just attribute prosperity to them have you seen how diligent they are with their word have you also considered that most of us saying yes has not come in contact with a Jew but their diligence with the word is so great that before you've met them, you know that they're diligent with the word. Imagine a Christian from afar, you can see they don't follow the word. The Jew, you do not know, but you know there's a character that they have taken that is so much, so much a part of them that from afar, you just assume, and rightly so, that they are so diligent to follow the commands of God so that you see prosperity, so you see them sitting in the highest places of power. You see them though being persecuted. You see them increasing. Why? Because they were diligent enough to follow every. Every word that you are hearing today, they are diligent enough to follow every command. Because scripture said it here, so that you may live. So that you can experience increase. Why am I stressing this point? And I told you I've, I'm taking my time with you this morning again. Why am I stressing this point? Because most of us don't pay attention to this word. And guess what? You would want increase because there's something put embedded in each and every one of us that wants to multiply, that wants to have dominion. It's the configuration of the man that God created. But unless you understand that your living capacity, or if you will increase, is directly proportional to your ability to pay attention to the word there will be no other way towards this increase and this life so you see what you didn't see here it's not going to be if people like you if you're going to live it's not going to be if you are skillful that you're going to live or increase no it's going to be that you are a great student you are a diligent student. The first thing in your life that you set straight is your ability. You make your paths, listen to me, second gen or new gen. You make your paths in front of you so straight that there will be nothing to pull your attention away from following the word. Nothing gets in that line. Did you hear what I've said? Okay, carry on. So that you may live and 
increase yeah and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors you are meant to go forth and enter you are meant to possess the land's promise to our ancestors so there's a word that God has given Pastor Toby and it's our duty do you remember that the man that fears the Lord mighty will be his children in the land they will have the power to go forth and possess so you see you are we are the generation that will bring into manifestations the dreams and the prophecies and the words that Pastor Toby has been saying to us over the many years but how would you get there again your diligence to hear the words of your father and I know listen to me I know how distracting the world is but that's the design of the world remember that I told you that this world is almost like a great stage for the great it's your turn as we have witnesses who have run the race they are now witnesses watching us if a priest will run the race properly in her time and how would you do it I have to emphasize this point because this is what the Holy Spirit says to me it will not be your wittiness remember I'm speaking to you about retaining strength Please don't forget that point. It will not be your wittiness if you will prosper, if you will enter even, if you will take hold of the land, the territory that has been allotted to you. It's going to be simply because you have followed so diligently the commands of your father that God will give you the promise of your father. Verse 2. Remember, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why did God take us through a time of dryness? Why does God take us through the time of dryness, guys? He takes us through there because he wants to humble. Go on, read it for me. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. God wants to know what is in your heart. I was looking through one of the group chats that was popping off today. And I was looking at how many times excitement for something is so close. How much times you believe that something is at reach and you will even believe God. And one of the funny comments I saw, I think it was from Pastor Keita, he said in that, he, he made he a mention of, look, we're even now, we've even now got to a place where we're believing God to have faith for faith. Because of how much times we have believed God for something and it seems that at the point that you're about to take hold of it, it slips from your hand again. Why are we going through that time of dryness? Because God is trying to humble us. And he's trying to test what is actually in your heart because if God is going to bless anyone, it's going to be according to what is in your heart, not what you are saying with your mouth, what is in your heart so with our mouths we have learned how to say what is what is acceptable what is political we have learned how to say what is morally right we know the yes sirs the yes mas but guess what god does not move according to what your heart is saying he wants to see the the, the substance of your heart he wants to hear the conversations of your heart. So he takes you through dryness because most people are in with God only for what they can get from God. But what God is looking for is you. He's looking for a heart like David, whose heart was after God. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? His heart was after God. His desire was, God, house or no house, my service to you will not be tainted. Money or no money, my service will not be tainted. And when God sees that truly from your heart, and again, your heart, your mouth can say anything, guys, but until your heart says that, God cannot reward you because God is not going to empower you to love the world. For he is a jealous God. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. So even though it seems at times that you're in a season of dryness. And this season of dryness can be defined as you needing stuff and you're not seeing it. But you see the beauty of it is that the Bible still says that God led you through it. So the beauty of what you're meant to discover in the wilderness is not the water you can get. Neither is it the meat that you can get. Neither is it the miracles of God. No, the actual greatest miracle about you being in the wilderness is the point when you discover that God is actually with you. It's when you realize that irrespective of what you're going through, the Lord God is with you. The strength of Israel is with you. So God reminds me and therefore in turn tells me to remind you that the greatest thing that you could have is Him. That's why He says that. So that you may learn, and you're going to see in a moment, so that you may learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if there's something I need, God keeps reminding me that just because you cannot see it does not mean it doesn't exist. If you can trust His word, if you can give attention to his word, then God will continually move you and I into that land that we are to possess and take control over. But look, let's read it. To humble and to test you in order to know what is in your heart. Whether or not you will keep his commands. So whatever God is looking into your heart to do. I remember when I spoke to you about a heart of God and a heart of idols. God wants to see that idol. He wants to see if there's an idol in your heart because like Rachel, you will hide idols in a place that is it's not decent to look in. Or you're not privileged, if I can say it like that, to look in. So she hid the idol under her skirt because she knows that the normal person cannot look there. God knows that today you do not create idols. You do not carve out idols with wood and all of these things. Even if you're acquiring things, he knows that the idol that usually wrestles his positions in your heart, the confidential tone, the place where you speak that others are not privy to hear. God says, I want to check what is in your heart. And you know, sometimes in pursuit of giving, sometimes people become and fall in love with mammon. And God says, even with that, I can't bless it. Because once I check your heart, I need to see what is in your heart. Because if it's not Christ, later when we begin to pray that the Lord strengthens us in our inner man so that Christ can dwell. If God does not find Christ in your heart, he knows that obedience will not be seen in, his, in your life because it's only by the indwelling of Christ that we obey if he sees idols you can dress up in the act in the attire of church but once things come you will serve those idols he humbled you verse 3 he humbled you causing you to hunger 
and then feeding you with manna, yeah. which neither you nor your ancestors had known, yeah. to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Yeah. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Please take note of that scripture. I still haven't got to where I'm going today. But take note of that scripture, verse 5. It says, know in your heart. He says that you should know it in your heart. Why must you know it in your heart? Because physically it may not look like it. He says, know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God, the Lord your God disciplines you. He says, know it in your heart again. Because, some, you know, like scripture later told us in Hebrews, that no discipline is pleasant at the time. But once you see it through, it will produce a harvest of righteousness. I taught you this before. What will happen is that once God disciplines you and is finished with it, what happens is that you become a legitimate son. What makes us illegitimate is that we have avoided discipline. And yes, discipline may not be easy to take. It may look for a period of time as if God's not with you. But I want, to, I want you to know, even in the dryness, he's there. It may seem like you're not hearing him like you used to, but I want you to know that even in the apparent silence, he's speaking. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? He says that, look, I need you to become my son and you cannot without me disciplining. What does discipline mean? He's putting you straight. He's putting you the way you need to be. So he says to us, COD, this morning, that you must know in your heart, irrespective of how things look and how the world will define it, know in your heart that whatever God is doing with you is a father and son thing. It's not because he hates you. I spoke to one of your sisters yesterday and I was like, look, you see, what we now need to grow into is into the maturity of God's love. Because when you're not in the perfect love, you begin to torment yourselves with the things of God's word. So you would say, oh, I missed this. And I said to her yesterday that I was on my knees praying. And I said, God, I've realized things that I've not realized for. You know, I said to her that there's times in your life that it's just the same way that we can know, we can um have heard of something but not know it and that's how the church is you hear of the consequences of sin for example but until you've actually fallen and actually known the consequences you will not know it so you see when we begin to say oh, avoid sin or PT emphasizes and knocks on the point that of all things avoid sexual sin you know when we're hearing it we've seen the scripture we've heard it and we agree because we believe in him but we have not known it no, are you listening to what I'm saying? You have not known what that can bring. That's the reason why you continue in it. So what God says to us is that I was saying to your sister yesterday, look, perfect love cast out fear. And the Bible says in the New King James that because fear has to do with torment. So the moment you start to say, oh, because of this, and it's a God thing, you say, oh, because I missed this in God. That's why I'm now capped. What's happening is that God allowed you to speak like that, made you come to me so that I can give you his word, his word in return to tell you that you're only at an immature state of knowing his love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Meaning that when you are wrong, what Christ did through his body, 
was give you a boldness to come to him and say, Lord, I got it wrong. So I said it, I was on my knees and I was saying to God that, God, you have made me to realize this now. But I know, this is what I'm saying because of his word. I'm saying, I know that me knowing this today is not for you to torment me. No, it's because you've brought me to a place of realization which comes with maturity. But let's please stay with the word actually. So verse 6 then goes on to say, observe the commands. Go on. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Why is God telling me to emphasize on intimacy? Emphasize of commitment, dependency relationship with God, love with God because like I've said to you we're at the eve of a great blessing and what God is saying is that he's charging me to remind you day after day and I know, I keep saying it I know that the world is trying to make you busy but God is trying to make you sit because the blessing is for the son who knows how to sit well in his house remember what I said to you that the servant will not abide in the house forever but the son will so what God is saying to us is that he's bringing us back, COD, to an emphasis. My charge over you is to keep saying, is to keep reminding you of how key obedience to God, total obedience. Not partly obedience, not every two weeks obedience, not total obedience. And remember that I told you that commitment is not shown in the open. So right now we are all reverencing God we're all paying attention to God but know that for sure that the words I'm saying to you is to be taken into your closet it's to be taken to where no one else will see and God tests and he checks if you will be committed to him there where nobody else can criticize you for your work God is going to see if you can be committed there so he charges us saying that we should observe we should keep his commandments we should walk in obedience and reverence to him because he is bringing us dryness comes before him bringing you into his provision the dryness you are experiencing listen someone messaged me it's not shortage this is this, i want you to hear me carefully it's not shortage you're experiencing the dryness is your journey into God's land. Like I said to you, it wasn't that Peter did something wrong when he was trying to catch fish. He just didn't know that the, the scarcity of fishes that night was because the Lord of all provision, the Lord of glory was coming and he will now be his food. He will now be his source of livelihood. It's a maturity, it's a call. So see all the over years we've been doing we've been doing Catford we have been doing Southern Campwell all these things we have tried many things we've gone to the universities we've gone to Ireland we've extended to even America but God is saying all of this is me bringing you into a land in this land he starts to tell you the things that are already there without your work no he's telling you I'm bringing you to Eden but you see I need to take you through a process where you'll be reminded that if you will have, it will not be because of your own work. It will be because I provided it. That's why he takes us through a dryness before he takes us to the abundant garden. But please carry on reading. I still got a long way to go with you this morning. Go on. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Into a good land. A land fit for purpose. Meaning that whatever you need, you see it there already. 
But carry on reading, go on. A land of brooks, yeah. streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dip copper out of the hills. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. What should you be careful of? That you do not forget the Lord your God. That you do not forget the Lord your God. Meaning, people usually forget the Lord their God without even realizing. The reason why God calls us to diligence is because you can forget him without realizing. Like I've said, some people in their pursuit to fund the house stumbled into the worship of mammon. They didn't even realize because their initial reason was pure. So a diligent person, you see, what stops a person from dropping stuff constantly is even when they are actively doing something, they've diligently set their minds to certain things. So people will know me with my phone. The reason why, as a very small example, the reason why I don't have cases is because, you see, when I have my phone, if I have a case, I'm already telling myself I can't manage something as small as this. I know other, others do it for looks and all, and that's fine. But for me, I know that I don't like cases. So me putting a case is me saying I can't even be diligent with something as small as this. How then do I expect to be able to manage a nation if you can't, cannot do well with small things? So you'd see me, if I have a phone, I need to put it somewhere where I know this country don't have earthquakes. It's not like it's just going to fall to the ground. I, if you see me walking, most likely I'm going to have it in my jeans. You know, it's already tight. Or I'm putting, <laughs> or, or I'm wearing um, um, something with zips that can zip it up. I can be involved in other things, but diligence is what's going to keep you. So he says, be diligent enough so that you will not forget the Lord your God. I'm still going somewhere, but pay attention to that. Failing. So what is forgetting the Lord? Failing to observe his commands. Did you hear that? Have you gotten into a business and not considered God? You have forgotten it. Because you did not seek after his counsel there. And another person would say, oh, this is too small to ask God about. No, if your heart is set, you will constantly, you may not have to go on your knees all the time, but you, your heart will constantly search what God is saying about it. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day, verse 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Are you going to pay attention to that scripture? Why am I, my, my key verse today is actually verse 18. But why am I taking you through the scripture? Because like I said to you, like I've been repeating to you, the blessings of God is coming. The blessings of God are coming and God is saying to us that we will not be able to stop. I had this conversation with Pastor Sam. I was saying that the reason why I know that we need to be around each other even more.
pause because PT said it the other day that prosperity is coming and before, I've been repeating this, before we could say amen, he said don't say amen because prosperity divides more than poverty. Prosperity is the real test. So God gives us this word and look at what he says. The reason why I needed you to read this is that he says that even if you forget the Lord your God, imagine he didn't say that I'll take away the blessing. He says, you will eat and be satisfied. You will, be, you will build fine houses. You will settle down. Your herds and flocks will grow large and your silver and gold increase. All you have will multiply. But you see, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord, your God. And you see, that's the problem. All the things I've mentioned before the Lord seemed like the blessing. But the blessing was God with man. Emmanuel. That's the blessing. Until you realize that, you will not have. Then you, your heart will become proud, yeah? And you will forget the Lord your God. Yeah. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, yeah. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with Please you. Please emphasize on that part. He says, so that in the end it might go well with you. Have you looked at the end? Right now you are looking at your parents' end. Did it go well with them? No, it didn't. Because the time that God, you would see when we get to verse 18, it says, but remember... They, and you know whenever we see but remember you have to think of scripture allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because there's a time in which he says that you should remember he says remember the Lord in the days of your youth they forgot the Lord in the days of their youth and tried to remember him in their old days in the evil days but it was too late for them so these words that God gives us is so that we may have a sure end how bad it is for someone to rise and then fall is even worse than rising. So what God wants to give us is to save us the shame, the shame to save us the embarrassment of looking like we're rising and then we've fallen and we've become a person of yesterday rather than the one of today. So God says to us that, look, you must be, you must understand that the reason why I take you through what I'm taking you through is so that you may know that I produce manna provision that satisfies you yet you did not know of it I, I provide these things with you to humble you, to test you so that in the end so that when we get to the age where everyone's looking at okay so what has become of your life what has become of your worship you will not be found empty you will not be put to shame so that your end may be well with you Again, as you know, look at the many people in this world that started off and then in the end, their end was terrible. Look at their end. These are the words that God speaks to us because it must be known and it must be said that I was the one that said this to you ahead of time. So that you may know that he is the Lord our God. So he says in verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Underline that scripture, we'll get to it. But 
remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So this becomes our word and our focus from the men. I heard you and I knew, knew that the men were laboring. But you see, now you need to hear the word. You are laboring because you are laboring to enter this. This is what you're entering, the covenant that God says, now, remember the Lord your God. If everything, look, finances is not subject to how smart you are. It's not the way that God works. God, of course, the Spirit of God makes you wise. The Bible says that the Word is able to make wise the simple. And that's someone that really does take in the Word. But you see what I need you to understand is that, look, if I say that you are going to be able to be bringing a hundred thousand pounds, a million, twenty million, it's not according to your power and your strength. It's going to be according to your diligence to remember God. This is what, again, PTS charged us that my duty is to remind you. It's to remind you of what or tell you or teach you what makes the covenant work. That we remember him. That when tempted, you will remember him. And because of that, you will not fall into that temptation. He says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he, not you, but he who gives you the ability, the strength to produce wealth. Go on. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So why does God even bless us? Why does he give us wealth? Why does he strengthen us? When he says, I give you the ability, he's saying that I give you the strength to produce wealth. Why is that? So that he can fulfill his covenant with you. So let me say this to you. Why is it that you lack financially? Because the wealth you're asking of God to produce in your life is for your selfish needs. Do you remember when I took you to the book of James and he told us why people's prayers are not answered? He says, because the motives of your heart are wrong. You ask so that you can spend what you get on yourselves. But the reason why God blesses a person is because they understand purpose. They understand that if a pastor Ben somehow stumbles into millions today, it's not to exalt his life. It's to empower the purpose. What is God doing? So God says it that I should remind you that unless you even understand the purpose, he's, you're not even qualified for the blessing. Why did God therefore bless someone like Abraham? Abraham left his father's house with wealth. But the wealth that he got, that God gave him was, you see the wealth that he got from his father's house was out of labor. So it wasn't a blessing of God. And you saw that was the snare to him. But eventually he's walking with God. Now God is with him. He goes to Egypt. What Egypt worked for, God gives him. Does that sound familiar to you? That houses you did not build, God will give to you. That's the blessing of God. The things you didn't work for. Do you remember when PT spoke to us about a few weeks ago that I have called you to reap where you have not sown? That's the blessing. So what does God say to us? So Abraham was blessed. Egypt was able to give him wealth. People will come and give him wealth. And he got to a place where he recognized 
that the source of his wealth was God. So when someone tried to say, listen, I'll give you this for your people. He said, I will not take anything from you so that it will not be said that you made me rich. He knew that, that if he will have blessings, it will be from God. But you see, why more so did God bless him? Because of the statement that God made himself that Abraham will become a mighty nation and he will teach his kids. Abraham understood purpose. What was his purpose? God called him out of a family to create his own family. God called him out of his father's house so that through Abraham, God can create his own family. Abraham understood this purpose. So he had it in his own heart that he would teach this family culture to his children. He would teach because he understands the purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So because of that, God blessed him. If God will bless us, the first thing I need you to note down is that you must be a man, a woman of purpose. And why am I emphasizing this to you today? So that tomorrow when the blessing comes, you will not then fight God or fight anyone as to why you are lacking. God forbid. Because God has given us the keys to it. It is He who gives you the ability, the strength to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is today. I want you to read that verse 18 once more for me. You know, no, actually read from verse 16 because I told you to take note of something. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Yeah. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Yeah. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. For it is he, this is the emphasis guys, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his what? His confidence. His purpose. Now, here's the thing, like I said to you, if you do not even know the purpose of God over your life, you cannot even qualify for his blessings because you will not know why you have it. The world has taught you to get finances for yourself. Are you listening to me? The world has taught you to get finances for yourself. The world has told you that finances is for you and yours. But God tells us that if I bless you, it's for his family. So how do we discover the purpose? If someone's sitting here today, because I want it to be really step by step. How do we discover their full purpose? If I ask Nana, what's your purpose? How do you discover it? Quickly, Romans 12. Romans 12, quickly. How do you discover? How do you come to know the will of God, the purpose of God, his agenda? Read it for me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's grace, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. What was your true and proper worship? Read it once more so we don't miss it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Selflessness. The presentation of you for something greater than you. 
is the way to discovering purpose. So when you came into the COD family or the nation family, the moment that you said, I will offer up myself, I said to you in the last broadcast, how pleasant, how pleasing it is for fathers to find affectionate and convicting sons who are willing to lend their bodies to the desires of their fathers. That's the, you remember when I spoke to you about family in service of a generation? That's what I said to you then. So what is, how do I discover my purpose? It starts off with me offering myself. It starts off with me separating myself from all selfish needs or selfish desires and giving myself over to a need. So how do you find your purpose simply like I'm saying to you? You get to a place, listen to me. How do you get yourself, this is distracting me though, it's distracting me, do whatever you need to do outside. How do you get your needs, how do you get um, to discover the purpose of God? Simple, you come into the nation, you present yourself. It might be you presenting yourself through saying, I had an agenda with, um, with performing arts, now for the work I'm doing media. It's you just staying with that. What will happen is that God will then reveal the purpose to you. We first discover purpose as a collective before you find it as an individual. You know, many times people say, what's my core? Don't worry about what's your core because your core is your, what you're doing right now. It may be as little, in quote, as giving. It may be as little as if we're pushing something, you're there pushing with us. You get yourself involved in the collective so that you may find what you are to do as an individual. So he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, yeah? This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will you'll be able to prove what God's will is the moment when you know once you have presented yourself so like I said to you a person cannot qualify even for the blessings of God without knowing purpose but here's the scripture for you to know how to discover it so go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 for me and let's really get into this now go on read the main verse for me from verse 17 actually you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So for today, I need you to know that when we say the ability, I want you to know it's him that gives you the strength. So you see now, my emphasis today is like I said to you, retaining of that strength. How do we keep it? Have you ever considered the story and what God was trying to show us with a man called Samson? Whenever you think of strength, you're going to think of him. You know, strength, the strength that was attributed or told to us of Samson was not according to the size of his body. Scripture never told us how big he was. It did so with someone like a, um, a Goliath because that was going to be his strength. But Samson was a weak man. Uh, Samson was a weak man. But you see, I want us to look at his story. 
and you have to help me find it. When the angel came to his mother, let's read there. Let's go into a bit of scriptures today because I want to show you what you need to be careful of. Remember what scripture said to us that we should be careful to observe, but also said that we should be careful that we do not forget the Lord, right? Have you found his story? Judges, um, yes, 16. No, not 16. I want the story of his birth. Once you're there, you can read it. Again, the Israelites, Judges 13, did the evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see, now see to it. Did that you take note of that? You know, there's very few people in scripture that had a pre-announcement of a child. I think Samson was one, as we see here. Christ was one. Who else? Isaac. John the Baptist. These were people that were pivotal. So why did Samson fit into the class of those that had to be pre-announced? You know what was interesting as well that I need you to take note of? Is that she was barren. She was going through her wilderness so that God can bring her to his land. His land being his purpose, being his provision, being everything that is a statement of him. Remember the scripture that I read to you the other day that the Bible says that everything, whole, the whole creation speaks of God plainly. I told you once your heart is filled with God, you would see God in and out. So what am I showing you here? Now God visits a household that they are going through barrenness. They would have thought that there was a problem, but there was no problem. God was bringing his. I need you to see these patterns because the people that I told you that fit into the same class all had that same pattern. Mary was without, she had not come in contact with a man. So childbearing should not have come into her mind. The Bible also speaks of Elizabeth, John's mother, that she had been barren. She had served the Lord all her years and she probably thought she was being hard done. That how did my service make me look like I'm at a delay compared to the world? But you see, you need to learn how to see things from God's perspective. That's why we, as God's righteous ones, do not live by sight but rather faith. So she spent her years, her and her husband, worshipping the Lord, serving the Lord. But her barrenness was only because she was bringing the greatest man before the kingdom. There will be a, no prophet that had ever lived, no man that had lived up to the time of John that can be compared to John. These were the words of Christ. So when you experience, when it looks like everyone else, things are working, it means that God wants to bring something better to you. Now, don't take that as the normal world's motivation for, as a way to advocate for laziness or waiting for someone outside of you to do things for yourself. No, by faith, we keep walking. Meaning, yes, you still try. 
you say, this is what I want to give. You try. You keep going knowing that God is bringing you to a good land. So now this angel somehow comes out of nowhere, appears to this woman saying, you are barren and childless, but things are about to change. What does he say? But you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. He places a demand. You see, for this to happen, there's a demand. So you see what happens is that God wants to bless you. And how do you know that God wants to bless you? Pay attention to the demand he's placing on your life. Again, we see a world of young people that some people at heart are not even bad people, but sex is normal for them. A, a, life without a life without restraint is normal for them. It's good for them. And it almost seems that you'll be thinking, Scripture says you shouldn't do this, but they're doing it. And it seems like they're moving forward in life. They don't have the Lord coming to them. They don't have a good land that they are to enter and possess. They don't have something greater that they are to walk into. But God's delay or apparent delay in your life is so that an Isaac can come. It's so that a Samson can come, a John can come, or better yet, a Christ can be produced through your life. So he says, now see to it because when God called Abraham out of his house or Abraham out of his house, he placed a demand. He says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. So when God places a demand in your life, it's not because he wants you to live a boring life. Like P.T. said, you would think that I should be able to travel and enjoy and have holidays as well, but it's God's demand over your life because what is coming out of your womb is greater. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head, go on, whose head is never to be touched by a razor Yeah. because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb he must be dedicated when God wants to bless you he wants to know that you and yours are devoted to him you know some people started off with them being devoted and then when material things came they couldn't devote those things to God someone got married then the things that used to be devoted to God once they had a child is now devoted to their child and that's what kills their child that's what allows their child rather than being a straight arrow is a crooked arrow that only pierces their own heart that arrow cannot be sent by fathers to hit the target it needs to hit because you yourself destroyed it so remember I was saying on Sunday or I was saying it to someone PT emphasized that Jacob even though a man of covenant put emotion on his son because he was the child of the loved wife it was the child of the loved wife and he put emotion on his son but that was going to destroy him imagine it was the motion of the father that made even his brothers hate him but God turned everything for the good of Joseph right and what happened? God had to dip that emotion in the blood in purpose. So I've said it, your leaders are not meant to be someone that holds your hand and hugs you. And that's good. And I will encourage anyone that's graced to do that, do it. That's not me speaking against it. But your leaders are the ones that they teach you and push you to the place of sacrifice every given moment. It says that he should be dedicated to God from the womb. And because of this, he will take the lead. I love it. You know, your devotion and your covenant is 
the, the, the blessing or the prophecy for your life, if a grace can give her years now to the devotion of God, the prophecy over your life, the word, the sure word over your life is that you will take the lead. So it's my covenant that makes me take the lead. The world taught you that it's going to be how bright you are or how, how connected you are. No, it's how devoted you are. That will make you take the lead. Go on, take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Verse 6. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, yeah. A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean. So you know who the man of God is, right? Because who's the angel that you're going to refer to as both angel and man? It's the Lord. What am I trying to say to you simply? It's the word that gives birth. I was saying yesterday, that was, uh, if you heard me, I kept playing, I think it's Psalm 145, 145, um, the Livingstone Choir. I kept listening to it. Then one of your sisters came and said, there's a scripture I wanted to give you since labor room or whenever. I was feeling to give it, but they sent it to me at perfect time because it's that scripture that you see the Lord is emphasizing that it's me that brings the birth. Yes, I will strip down the forest. I'll make you laid bare. You would seem naked, but it's only because I'm about to birth something. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. You need the spirit to hear what I'm actually saying to you. God is bringing to birth certain things in the COD family. Do not give up. How costly it would be for a woman to give up her strength at the time of labor. It will cost her her life and possibly the child. So what do you need then? Strength. Now, why am I speaking to you about strength? Again, because strength can be lost. Someone can have the ability to do something, but not the strength to carry out that ability. So have you been, like I said earlier, that you know that you should have done this better, but you didn't. It's because strength has been lost there. And this is the reason why I want to take you to the story of Samson. Because when we look at the Bible and the story of strength, he's the iconic individual of strength. He's the man of strength. Again, this strength was not according to his size. So don't try to make your business look so grand. What you need to make sure is your devotion is kept up. Because that's the source of your strength. And every moment that you forget your devotion, that strength leaks. So now what I want to show you, go to um, Judges 16 and let's start this now. Oh, let me start to derive or get to the point. Let me try to drive our point home. Chapter 16, read from verse 1. The great story of Delilah from verse 1, sir. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Yeah. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. Mm. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. 
He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Some time later. Stop there. These are two stories. And why I needed us to start off is because quickly we say Delilah's the issue. But he just went to sleep with a prostitute just before. Yeah? He just went to sleep with a prostitute. So, how do I get to this without getting going ahead of myself? I needed you to see those two stories or to see the first story before you see the second. Because, you see, these are the points I need you to take note of. It takes strength to be able to to deliver on a daily basis. Meaning that I need strength again to preach the word now. Tomorrow if I preach the word, I need strength again. So there are things that I need to keep up and that's why we read Judges 13 because the Bible told us that a razor should not touch his head. He should not drink any fermented drink. He will be dedicated to the Lord from his womb. Now, when we look at the story of Delilah, I want you to pay attention. Again, in fact, read verse 1 again, please. One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. He spent the night with a prostitute. What do you think he was doing there, talking? Verse 2. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. Mm. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we will kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. What I want you to pay attention to this now is that the strength of God manifested in his life even though he went to the house of a prostitute. Do you know why? <sighs> PT taught us one time, you know, and I'm going to try and say this for, for you to remember. For we wrestle, this is what he said to us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, a man struggling because I need to tell you one of the big covenants in the COD family in the nation family that will make you keep strength is to avoid sexual sin and I need to put great emphasis on this because it's the thing that you will be surrounded with the most God or Paul said to us that it is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and there was a teaching I can't remember what teaching it was but it was a teaching that PT then said to us that look when you are tempted to spend the night with a woman let me say it as decent as the scripture said it for some people it's never night time it's, it's any time but spend the night with a woman The issue is not actually the woman. The issue is the power behind the woman or the man. So just hear me. It's not the flesh you see. That's what I'm trying to say. It's the power that pushes that flesh. 
So what you're wrestling against is you can see somebody that you know. No, let me say it like this. In the house of God, you know that all of you are trying to serve God. But when that sin comes, it's not because that person's a devil. It's because there's a spirit that you're wrestling with. I need you to hear me, guys. So when the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it's to bring your attention to know that everything you are engaging with is not as you see it. This is why I said to us, I said to you earlier that it's possible for you to get involved in something and not know the consequences. Because it's not as it looks. Samson, how did you still have the strength? 16 was already showing us that Samson was getting closer and closer. I mean, the enemies of Samson were getting closer and closer to him. That's what scripture was telling us. But what what was after him was not the woman. Well, it was the Lord's behind the woman. Behind the act of disobedience, there are Lords and powers that are trying to entice you to that disobedience so that it can get you. So you see, he's gone to sit with a he's gone to stay with a prostitute. And all of a sudden, the people are saying, Samson's here. Wherever he got to put him in danger. Yet, the Spirit of God, the source of the strength, still came upon him because he kept his devotion. Because as funny as it sounds, I'm going to have to say this because if I don't say this properly, it will almost seem like I'm permitting. I'm not permitting. I need you to hear what sin actually does. So Samson lay there only until midnight. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two poles and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Verse 4 now. With everything I've said, now pay attention to verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman. The first woman he saw was a prostitute. The second issue you see that prostitute? Did they give us her name? Why was Delilah given a name? Because Samson defined her. He loved her. You see what will pull you down is the things you develop love for outside of God. You give it definition and you give it power. Again, Woman to woman, there was no difference. But the situation changes when you're now committed. You are committed sometimes to the hiding of your sin. That's what gives it definition and power in your life. You are committed to things outside of the love of God. But the Bible says, the Bible says that you should love the Lord with all your heart. So you see why I love that scripture is because when the Bible then says you should love the Lord, your heart where's the room to love anything else no if you love a woman it will be through the love of God but the Bible starts off with saying sometime later he fell in love you know that term fell in love check it in scripture where do you see it 
It's a statement of itself that you felt. You know that stupid statement, I've fallen in love. Yeah, you've fallen. You've fallen. He fell in love. What was his trip there? That he committed himself to something else. Now, why I've said it's not a woman-to-woman thing is because I'm not just talking about sexual sin, though it's one of the biggest examples or the biggest reasons for leakage of strength. I'm talking about whatever you've fallen in love with. So someone has fallen in love with music. And when you've fallen in love with music, you have given your heart commitment. It's become an idol in your heart. You still shout God, you still sing God, you still preach God, but your heart has accepted another love. And at that moment when you accept another love, you give it definition and power to trip you. So now look at the story of Delilah. Some time later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. Go on. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See. Did you see that? So it wasn't the body, Delilah. There was powers behind her, pushing her to do what she's doing. So why is God showing us this scripture? So that we may know that when the enticement of sexual sin comes, or when the enticement to fall in love with something other, your business, your image, a person, whatever it is, I want you to know that beside or behind that enticement is a power that's trying to take away your power. It's a power that wants to take away your strength. The rulers of the Philistines went to her. The lords, the dark powers went to her, pushed her. No, it's today that we see, we allow the word to uncover to us the things that look so normal to us. Someone says, I can't help myself. It's a sin. It's something I'm struggling with. No, it's a statement that you are low in strength. Receive strength today. Receive strength today so that when it comes, you will not give over yourself. But let's see how scripture shows it to us. This is why I'm taking my time with this. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said what? See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength (laughs) and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength. You know when it says each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver? It's sin comes, the pressure of sin comes, and it says, if you do this, I will give you pleasure and satisfaction from, let me say it like this. When someone's taken in sin, there's like, I have to say it like this, it's almost like until you grow, it's like a pleasure discomfort. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So you see what the Lords are saying, if you do it, you'll be satisfied. So you see some people, because I'm going to get, I think my key point here today is going to be when we get to the part when it says, and Delilah's nagging got to um, Samson, but we'll get there. But you see what happens when sin comes. It tells you that the only way to satisfy yourself is going through with it. 
That's what the lords were saying. The lords were saying, look, if you can follow through with this, we will satisfy you. So Delilah said to Samson, what? Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Why would I keep stopping you at verses to remind you that the conversation I'm having with you today is not a sporadic topic now. I've been having conversations. That's why I keep referring to things I've also said before. What do I need you to take note of here? The Bible is God's perspective on man. I don't think anyone is this stupid to hear a woman saying, tell me the secret to your strength that's saving your life. Yeah? No, no, look. I don't think a woman comes up to you and says, tell me how I can kill you, in other words. And you're just going to be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> But this is God's perspective. Are you following me? So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Can I tell you what this is? Delilah probably physically never said this. But in the spirit, this is what she was saying. Every time enticement of sin comes, because that's the main leakage of of your strength. Every time sin comes, it's saying. Sin can come in anybody. The pressures of sin can come in any form. It doesn't matter your title, it can still come. But when it comes, spiritually what it's saying is, tell me the secret of your great strength. We're going to find what the secret is. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Because when you're not subdued, you cause us havoc. So this is why I've heard it. People that have said that it's when I came into the things of God that I realized I'm struggling more. No, it's the backlash you're getting from fighting them initially. Tell me the secret of your great strength. Go on. And how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her. If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Do you know what Samson was really saying? Samson believed in his heart that I can do this and shrug it off. I'm, I'm trying to teach you something here. I don't think the guy was so much of an idiot to say, this is the way you should kill me. You should subdue me. You should tie me up. So at this point, Samson is still believing that he can still participate in this and shrug it off. But what he didn't know was that Delilah was heading towards something. Yeah, so you did it and did it and shrugged it off. You know, simply you thought that I engaged in this and quickly I put myself back into a suit or whatever you wear now and you're acting like you've always been. But the problem is, is that what you're actually saying is that I can engage in this and shrug it off. But I love that this story didn't end with that one request. So let's look through it together. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her, go on. Brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. Mm. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. 
Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Do you see what that is now? That's guilt. So you see what happens now, yeah? Is that sin comes, entices you. You get to a place where you have forgotten the Lord. You've failed to observe his commands. What happens now is that you feel that we can shrug this off. I can see it through and I can shrug it off. Meaning that there won't really be a consequence. What happens is that now sin realized that what it was after, it didn't get it. So its manner of entry again was to make you feel bad. You know, some people can't break away from certain relationships because there's some kind of sentimental attachment. Ask yourself, was that sentiment there before it happened? So Delilah comes, sin comes and says, you've made a fool of me. Sin comes and it demands sympathy from you. You say that I can't let go now. It says, come now. So it's request of sympathy from you is only so you can try again with them. So how many times have you tried to sort it out then you realize you've fallen again? Verse 11, look at what happens. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. Can I shrug it off again? Verse 12. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threats. Yeah, so he shrugged it off. For a time, he was still, he thought he was still functioning. For a time, he looked like, why is God showing us? God is, why is God showing us this? He's trying to show us how foolish man can be at the point of sin. That's what he's showing. Foolishness being that, you know that there's consequences, but you believe there's no consequences. You know it, yet you do it as if there's none. It's the foolishness of man. So Delilah comes back. Why is it new ropes each time, sir? I don't know. <laughs> Delilah then said to Samson, go on. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Yeah. Tell me how you can be tied. Maybe new ropes or new strategies. There are new ways. You, you know, the emphasis is not the rope. The emphasis is on it being new. So there will always be another way to get into it. Do you understand? What am I trying to show you? Because I told you it's verse 16 that I'm going. It says, with such nagging. That's where I'm going today. The, the problem here, guys, was that sin will keep coming. It's persistent. It will not stop. It will keep coming. And sin in its way, because it needs to cripple you, it's going to reinvent itself each time. So you see, there's times when you thought that your sin was unique to a person. You saw it through. Then all of a sudden you realize you've got engaged with another person. How? So you realize it was not the body of Delilah. It was the power behind it. The power stays the same. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So look at this. It says, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me again, guilt, and lying to me, telling me how you can be tired. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head. Stop there. Now he's getting closer. Now he's getting closer to his devotion. It, 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 sin's duty 
is to know that the sex act in itself is not enough to stop the strength. So why does it keep happening? Because sex is only an outfit for what it's looking for. Satan is after your strength. That's what he's after. And for your strength, he will definitely give you pleasure because it has to be a trade. It says that if you weave the seven braids of my head, you know, he's grown up, razors has never touched his head. But now we're seeing the maturity of the spirit that was on his life. So it's now seven to represent the seven manifestations of the spirit. As Isaiah 11 tells us, he had it. He's getting closer. There are things that you are, you're, the Bible says can fire be in your um, bosom and it not burn you. You are, you are accommodating something that is getting closer to the secret of your strength. And what's the secret of your strength? Your devotion your love life, your commitment. If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on, on the loom, what will happen? And tighten it with the pin. I'll become as weak as any other man. Yeah. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Again, it's madness. Three times or so already he has seen that this woman is calling the Philistines on him. But he cannot see it because sin's duty is to rid you of your willpower. It's to make you blind. It's to distort your vision. You can see it, but you cannot see it. You can see a form of it, but you cannot define what's happening to you. And it's right before your eyes. This is God showing us through the life of the man of strength. That the moment, as scripture said, I think in Proverbs 31, it says, do not spend your strength on women. Do not strength, spend your strength on things that is demanded of you. It says that all these things, God is using it to show us that the man of strength, the foolishness that they can begin to operate by when sin comes knocking at their door. So she said, then she said to him, how could you say I love you? And this is why I drew the attention to the love. That's why I said the difference between the prostitute and Delilah was that it had become a commitment issue. He had become something, you know, Samson in his great strength. His strength was what was, if you look through scripture, it was his strength he was using to win women. No, let me explain that. So someone gets big in life and uses what they've acquired in life to get things that are destroying them. So it was with his strength that he was using, he spent to get the women he was getting. And eventually the problem was that his devotion and commitment was contaminated, was compromised. And now his love has been shared with Delilah. So now she plays the card. How could you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Yeah. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. I need to emphasize that third time to tell you that there will be a time period that you have to get up and out of that situation. 
because before it's too late you know going ahead of myself we know the story his hair gets shaved off right and then he loses his strength but it was PT that told us by utterance of the spirit that his strength wasn't actually his hair do you remember what he said his strength was his eyes it was because he can see these things that he can fight once he lost his eyes he had no strength but where did he lose his strength it was when he lost his devotion so look at this how can you say you love me when you won't confide in me this is the third time you've made a fool of me i want to start wrapping up going and haven't told me the secret of your great strength with such nagging she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it that's the issue sin will keep nagging it will keep knocking at your door majority today is to know that sin is all around you and the world is marketing sin to you it's selling sin to you it's selling the pleasures of this world to you hoping that a man of strength will give intel to the secret of their strength so that they can gain power so why is the world strong because it robbed God's men of their strength that's why it's strong does that sound strange to you it shouldn't because Christ will later tell us that the words that Christ would sell, um, sow this parable of the sower he sows the word but what does Satan do he also comes to take it what was Satan's strength to against Adam the words that Adam had not fully digested because if Adam had fully digested that you should not eat of this tree or Eve had fully digested the word because man should not eat by bread alone or live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord if they had fully digested the food the words that comes from God they would not be if they would not have been able to be deceived by the serpent they were deceived because they had not fully taken it in so with such nagging, the persistence of sin, the presence of sin all around you, and maturity for us is to know that it's there. Because if you can recognize this now, if you will not allow yourself to be distorted by the enticing of sin, then you'll be able to say, this is not Delilah, this is sin. No, are you listening to what I'm saying? This is sin. This is something that will compromise my fellowship my devotion so you see the problem was that the bible says day after day she prodded him with nagging playing the issue of love the problem was that samson should have left samson kept it there he remained there so out of being you know let me tell you what when i was thinking about this this morning verse 16 what it said to me was that look at this point Samson despised his devotion should I tell you why he despised his devotion COD are you still on with me do you know why he despised his devotion immaturity because we can see now he's very immature right immaturity made him think that and how can I say this immaturity made him think that on immaturity made Samson think that this devotion my praying my consecration my 
listening to many sound clouds, my being present in all word sessions was not able to stop the nagging of sin. So in a moment, he said, what's the worth of keeping this? Because, so let me help you. You know, like, have you not prayed many times, God deliver me from this sin and it looks like it's not working? Because the prayer is not God deliver. The prayer is strength for you to master it. That's what God taught us from the garden. No, that's what he taught us from Cain. He says that you need strength in your inner man to say no to sin. This strength is the grace of God. The grace of God is our strength. And the Bible says that he gives us grace which teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. So you see at verse 16, Samson, because he had remained in the company of the wicked, he had not stood up. He had not realized what sin was. He had not yet defined who Delilah really is. He did not know that he's not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principality, lords that are back in the body of Delilah. He did not realize. So he got to a place that, why am I trying with all this prayer? And by the way, even trying with all this prayer, saying, Lord, help me, deliver me from this sin. It's not working. I've actually seen that I've been able to shrug it off. What's to say that I will not be able to shrug it off again? So with constant nagging, he had given up on his devotion by despising it. And he can give it over to her. But here's the problem. He was sick to death. He had now crossed into the realm of death. Her, her guilt tripping him got him to a place where he offered his sacrifice or he offered his devotion and he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, what would happen? My strength would leave me. If my head, the symbol of my devotion. You know your symbol of devotion may seem stupid to the other people, but it must not lose its, its, its importance to you. The moment you despise what you have, you've lost it. Again, you saw Esau. The moment he despised his birthright, he lost it. The moment you despise what, it, it can look foolish, it can look messy to others. It can look like it's a burden. I've always shown you when God took Ezekiel by his hair, it was him taking him by his burden. I told you that before. You keeping up a life away from sexual sin or away from compromising your devotion may seem like a burden. But if you can keep it, that's why I started off today. If you fully obey and keep my covenant, then you'll be before other nations it says if you cut my head if you rid me of this burden my strength will leave me and I will become as weak as any other man I'm going to show you something about Gideon and then you'll realize that what Samson messed up was that he thought he was strong Samson wasn't strong the power of God over his life was strong Scripture, like I've been saying over the recent weeks, 2 Chronicles 16, don't go there. 
it says that the eyes of the Lord goes to and fro the earth looking for, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him so you see the issue here guys was that you see the nagging of sin eventually made him see his ability as his rather than God upon him so he said I will become as weak as any other man he was always as weak as every man as you will now see but as far as he kept his devotion the power of God who is actually the strength of Israel the strength of Israel will come upon those who keeps their devotion and, and, and covenant verse 18 when Delilah saw that he had told her everything she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines yeah. come back once more he has told me everything so the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands after putting him to sleep on her lap she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him and so began to subdue him. So he was subdued not by the Philistines. It was the woman on her lap. And his left strength him. And his strength left him. So the definition of that strength was actually God. God left him. Then she called Samson the Philistines. Then she called Samson the Philistines are upon you. Let me round this up. Go on. He awoke from his sleep and thought. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Did you see that? The character of someone that has left God. So God left him because he left God. Because you see, look at what he said. He said to him, look, I'll go out as before. So he had made, he had found rest and comfort in the sin. He had found rest and comfort in this new devotion to Delilah. So he said, oh, I've seen it before. I can just shrug it off as usual. But he didn't know he had allowed Satan to get what he was looking for. And Satan was not looking at him bodily. Satan was just trying to get him to give up his devotion. So now you understand when Satan came to Christ and said, bow before me, worship before me. He was trying to take the devotion of the strength of Christ. He was trying to take it from him. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. This is why I said to you, when the Bible says his strength left you, left him, I said to you that it was the Lord that left him. Scripture says it clearly here. Then the Philistines seized him. Go on. Gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. He was in prison. When he realized that his strength could not give him things again, when he was alone again, he began to look to God again. And his hair, the symbol of his devotion. Why I have to keep emphasizing this so that I don't see a mad person and see all the men come with long hair, say, I've got seven braids now as my sign of my devotion. It's not, the hair was not the source of the power. It was the symbol of his devotion. So let's end this. Judges chapter 6. Because now, we assume now, or we are honest with ourselves that we have tried to shrug it off and be active. We've tried to remain posturing, but we've leaked strength. So how do we restore this strength again? 
How do we restore strength? Because the reason why God has given us this word is not for anyone to condemn themselves. It's actually God saying, I actually want to give you strength. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that are still attentive, waiting is a symbol. You sit down, you serve him. Now he's going to renew your strength as the story showed us with Samson. His strength was renewed when he looked to God again. So now look at Gideon now. I want you to jump to, okay, read from verse one quickly. The Israelites, I want you to run through this quickly. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Yeah. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Stop there. What was God doing? Complaining? No. When, do you know why this word has come today? Because God's heard the cry of his people. When he heard the cry of his people, that's why I said that, Yesterday when um, laboring, was laboring, worshipping, praying, whatever you was doing, or the men were praying, what happened was that you cried out to the Lord. Because at the point of crying, you recognize that he's your deliverer, not you. So what does he do? The first conversation he has with these people is to let them know what they did wrong. Then he raises a solution. God doesn't just raise solutions because if you don't know what caused the problem, you would do it again. So I spent over an hour, almost two hours telling us the problem because God's heard our cry. Now, this is how we solve the issue. After God has said what the issue is, the angel visited Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah yeah. that belonged to jo Josh, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Why did God visit Gideon? Again, because there was a cry. Are you following me? Because there was a cry. Because when you prayed, you said, God, this is enough. I want to be out of this. I want to serve you. I want to, you know, the level of love is not that you're afraid of consequences. It's that you really want to be close. You know, there's some people that are built on, I, I, they're only pursuing God because they want to avoid consequence. That's not what it is for me. I genuinely want the world to know that God is with me. I want to be known as 
I want to be known as a son of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want there to be a real relationship. I want it that God can say, as for you, I speak to you in visions and dreams, but for you, my servant, I speak to him face to face. I speak to him plainly and not in dark speeches. So God had seen the issue and now responded the moment when the issue got so bad that the people produced the cry. Told them the issue. See, I hope you're still on with me. I told him the issue. Then he visited or raised a solution. Now look at where he raised the solution. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Oprah that belonged to Josh the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, What's mighty warrior. What's the first thing that God said to him? The Lord said that the Lord is with you. And because the Lord is with you, you are now a mighty warrior. Gideon was not a mighty warrior when the Lord was not with him. When the Lord is with him. So let me tell you something. When the Lord is with you, he defines you. So that's why I said to you that Samson's strength was not attributed, attributed to his size of his body. He wasn't a muscular man. His strength was attributed to God being with him. How would you, you know, you've been trying to push past a certain financial grade. Like you said that now I should be given at 10K, 20K. How would you get there? If you haven't got there before, it's simply the lack of strength to break through. If you see lack in your life, it's because you haven't had the strength to see it through. Now God says, how do you get that strength? You have to first be once again acquainted with me. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But you see, now Gideon didn't understand that. So he said, pardon me, my Lord. Go on. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. God said that he is with him. Gideon said that the Lord had abandoned him. So what God actually said, I should say here, was look, COD, if things are not going right, you are not to think that God is not with you. Let me say it like this, actually. Just because things happen to you doesn't mean God's not with you. Because this is Gideon and he's saying, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? No, the Lord is with you. The moment he says, I am with you. And this is the word that God put me to say to you, that the Lord is with you. He's with us. So he says, but now the Lord has abandoned us. So his mind wasn't one with God at that moment. And then God says to him, the Lord turned to him. Again, it's because I've gone for long now. I want to round up. But you see that emphasis, the Lord turned to him. It means in this generation, he's now said, it's you and me now. Like, now I'm focusing, I'm looking at you. It's you now. He says, the Lord turned to him and said what? Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? What was his strength? Verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. What was his strength? He recognized that he was weak. 
Do you remember when Paul was crying out for the, term, the turmoil he was going through, the pain he was going through? He said, three times I begged the Lord to take this from me. And the Lord responded to him that my power is made perfect in your weakness. What did I tell you that the problem with Samson was? Samson had too many exploits of strength that he believed he was now the strong one. So he kept saying, if you do this, I'll be as weak as everybody else. So meaning that he's saying that I'm not weak. Do you understand me? But you see, what made God pick Gideon? Gideon recognized that he was weakest. He was the weakest. You know, the story is so powerful because he, not only did he say he was weak, he said he was the weakest of Israel. Look at what he said. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan, my family is the weakest and I am the least in my family. So of the weakest, I'm the weakest. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? The recognition, he recognized that he was weak. He recognized that he could not do without God. So God answered in verse 16 saying what? The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. What left Samson? The Bible says the strength at the lap of Delilah, the strength left him. Then the next verse, it said the Lord had left him. So what was the strength of, what is the strength of the nation? What is the strength of COD? What is the strength of Pastor Obi? My devotion and God be with me. I remember the days as Job said, when the Lord was over my tent and it was then that oil, poured, oil was poured out of rocks for me. When my feet was bathed in cream, he spoke about the prosperity and the strength he had in the day when the Lord was with him. So the Lord says to us, COD, that you see, how do we restore our strength? Knowing that we are weak and incapable, inadequate without him. When we do not allow sin to make us feel that we can shrug it off. Because every time you're shrugging it off, you determine that you are your own strength. But the moment you say to God that, God, I can't do this with you, without you. When we begin to sing, I have no power of my own. You recognize that he is the strength. Not your brilliance. Not your wittiness. But that I know that you are the source of my strength. So the Lord answered, because you know that you're weak, I will be with you. And you will strike down all Midianites, leaving none alive. You will accomplish everything. COD, God wants to restore strength to you. And what is that strength that God is restoring to us? Himself. What do we need to do to retain that strength? Keep that devotion. Keep that love life. Do not compromise it. Verse 25. That same night. That the, same night, what did Gideon do? The Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old. Do you know what Gideon was doing here? So God has said, I will be with you. Now, I'm giving you the solutions to strength. First thing is recognizing that you're weak. And look, you can recognize when you're weak, when you think you're strong. If you want strength, even though you think you're strong, you may think, oh, I'm doing um, 2K, 5K a month. That's brilliant. Cool. Cool story. But here's the thing. 
God's strength might be that you should be at a place where you're doing 20. Your perception of strength is actually weakness. Now, when you acknowledge that you are weak, even though you may think you're strong, God will add to you his strength, which is him. So, weakness is one of the recon recognizing weakness that you can't do without him is the key to strength. The second thing, what will be the next thing that God says you should do? Gideon, his father and household had started worshiping other idols. God had said that I need you to go and tear down their altars. But look at how he said it to Gideon. Read verse 25 again. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. This is where we end now. So what does God now say to Gideon or what does God say to us? Verse 26, then build a proper kind of altar. You know, altar are symbolic for a place of worship. You know, altar is also a symbol of your heart. I never forget the day when P.T. told me the key to preaching. He says that God speaks to the altar of your heart and it's from there that word comes. So people may see me not physically sitting down to speak to out. You would think that I have to study longer to speak as much as I speak. No, you need to set your heart right. Got the scripture, I can't remember how it goes, but the scripture says that blessed are those who set their heart towards the pilgrimage of Zion. What is God looking for? What did he say to Gideon? He says, now build, now set the right heart. Build a proper altar. As we begin to sing, I have no power of my own COD. I know you, you're used to the song, but I want you to make it personal to yourself that Lord, restore your strength to me, which is you. And help me to build a proper altar again. Because the days of abandoned devotion has created an altar that does not bring worship to God. It has had worship to other things. You have started worshipping your relationship. You have started worshipping your image. You have started worshipping worshiping mundane things. But God says, set a proper heart now. Build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of its high. And from that moment, let me tell you guys, tomorrow there will be increase. Do you believe that? Tomorrow there'll be all kinds of provision. What you could not see, once your heart is set properly, you will see proper. And what looked like wasn't, didn't exist, will be right in front of you because your heart is set right. I want you to raise your voices in all the houses. And just for the next couple minutes, we're going to sing this song and I'll leave you for a period of time to pray. God is renewing our strength. He's bringing us back into the place of close devotion. In the name of Jesus Christ, go for it.
Lord, restore your strength to us. Restore our devotion.
Just for two minutes, I want you to pray. As we worship, I want you to pray. Strengthen me in my inner man, Lord. Strengthen my devotion. You have been weak before. You have lost your willpower, but God restores. He restores strength to you today. strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is our prayer today. And this is how we close that God will strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell. The strength of Israel has always been God. It's never been David. It's been the God with David. It's never been Abraham. It's been the God with Abraham. The nation family is strong because of our devotion to God. So don't let anything compromise that, guys. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Do not let anything. And immaturity, your immature days was that you looked into other things. But now maturity calls for devotion. So time wouldn't let me, but you know it already. When God first came to Abraham or Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, leave your father's house. But it was in Genesis 15 or 17 or so that he now says, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me now. Blameless and faithful. So now you're, I said it to someone yesterday. Usually it's the second time of hearing something that the power of it is made available to you. Once has the Lord spoken, twice have I heard him that all power belongs to him. So today God says to us, now everything before now was immature now start with me walk with me properly set your heart right cod and let me tell you something you'll be shocked from your giving you would see that there will be nothing that you lack the power that will come out of you guys out of each and every one of us when you speak when you get yourself involved in business the provision that is a that is coming to you now you will walk in the flow of god because you have set your devotion right everything begins to work for us from today 
So we release houses, we release finances, we release people. We, we release a new dimension of God's word over the COD family. We release a new level of unity and power. And therefore, from this moment, we walk in it. If you believe that, I want everyone to say amen to that. Amen to that. Go back, listen over the word, break it down into pieces. Remember how we started. De Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember the Lord your God. Remember that he is your strength. Remember the Lord your God. That it is he who gives you ability, strength, power to make wealth. Wealth of experience. Wealth as in finances. Wealth of people. Quality of people. That's our story. That's our destiny. That's our call. I love you guys. Enjoy your day. Um, I'll let you know if I'm on another day this week. Love you all. Bye, guys.